everybody to another episode of the Fulfillment Podcast, where we help discover a better you by finding fulfillment in life, relationships, and finance. I'm your host, Josh, and in this episode, we're going to talk and bring on a special guest, somebody that I've known for a very long time, somebody who's been pretty close to me and gone through a whole bunch of shit with me. His name is John DeLago. John, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, happy to be with you, man. It's good to, uh, it's always good to catch up with you. We don't Hell get yeah. to hang out enough. We're going to do it both really busy, so. That's right. So to give you guys a little bit of background, John and I, um, we, so we were both in the army together at the same time. Uh, we went through our initial, like kind of basic training officer training school together. Uh, he ended up coming to Colorado as his first duty station. And then I went out to North Carolina and then, uh, we came back together after our first duty stations and we were both, uh, at training together in, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. And when I went through all my stuff with the divorce and going through that whole process and kind of discovering everything that we discovered there, John was the one that I actually ended up staying with the night that I kind of found out everything that was going on and all that bullshit. As it happened yeah. and it was like unfolding, I stayed with John. So to give you guys some context, that's how John kind of plays in my life. So kind of rolling back to that, dude, do you remember, uh, do you remember kind of those nights? That was some crazy stuff. I, I remember really well. I would say you and I were always close but far away. And yeah. like we definitely respected each other, but our close friends, were, we were separated a little bit. Yeah. But I always had mutual respect for you. You were a high performer. You know, we had the same interests. Um, I don't think it was until that night until we became really close and kind of set the trajectory, if you will. Yeah, that's true. Because um, I think of everybody, I mean, even my, so my sister was actually at Benning. They're like uh, my brother-in-law, Caleb, he was in school with us. That's right. That's right. And I, I didn't even go, I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I didn't even go there. Like that was family. You know, I had family within 10 minutes. I didn't even go see them. I ended up giving you a call. I forget how that all played out, but I think it was, I think it was something like I felt something was up and I, I gave you a call. Things were kind of like building, I think that week. And I was like, dude, something's up, man. And you're like, dude, just come over. You remember, do you remember how that night hole, that whole thing went down? Yeah. Because at that point where we, at that point it was just me and I figuring stuff out, right? Like we weren't getting opinions just yet. Right. We were just kind of like connecting some dots. You were actually doing a little bit more of it because I was super, um, I don't know if naive is the right word, but I was kind of, I guess, assuming the best in the whole thing. And, and you were kind of the, the voice of reason, if you will, as we were uh, discovering things. Yeah, that was, I mean, you went in, you always go into things really friendly, open-minded and optimistic. And yeah. you went into marriage, your first marriage that way. like is my wife so I'm gonna take care of her I'm gonna balance the army I'm gonna balance training I'm gonna make it happen just like you do so you kind of like you didn't go in, went in like I don't know happy excited you're getting married whatever yeah. we're gonna shut dog right. we're gonna we put a little fire pit everything's okay I was coming off a five-year relationship <laughs> oh that's <laughs> a right breakup. so that that's right where I got it kind of got into red pill Yep. And reading the forums on Red online. So a lot of the advice and opinions I gave you, although carefully, because I you know I hate to be like a know-it-all, but right. where I did assert myself, a lot of that came from reading Red Pill online and coming out of my own breakup at that time. So I think the timing, the timing was good, if you will. Interesting. So what I guess because you you had a totally different perspective on it. What kind of things did you take away? I guess that you 
translated from the things you learned either in that first in the, in your relationship or the red pill stuff that you were, that you brought into kind of like, I guess, open my eyes, if you will, a little bit to kind of like what was happening. Cause I was super like, I was like, this is not happening. This isn't the way I remember sitting in your living room or it was at your, it was at the counter in your place. And I was like, no dude, like I, don't, I trust her. And I don't think this is happening. And you're like, I got it, man. I understand. But it is. <laughs> I think the big thing that was coming where I was coming from, man, was like, you kind of like, you read things over and over and over again, and you see men going through the same experiences or the same end result. Mm. And after you keep reading it, seeing that you're like, it connects dots where you see it right in front of you. So you're reading about past experiences and then you're mm. watching something in real time with one of your good friends. And you're like, yeah, this is probably, this is probably exactly what's going on. And you don't want to press too hard because you're going through a miserable time. And what if, what if I was wrong? Like, what if your wife, you know, like, what if nothing had happened yeah. and you didn't end up getting, you might've resented me a little bit. So it's a weird balance between being honest and giving good advice, but also like giving you space. It's a, it's a weird position to be in. Yeah. But at the same time, like super grateful that you, I guess I had known that and were able to say that. Cause I'll, I'll always think back even now I'm like, shit, dude, if John wasn't there, I mean, I would have probably just blown it off and kept trucking along. Like, I mean, it was almost like the, the angel, if you will, waking you up and kind of slapping you across the face, like, bro, check it out, man. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. I remember we went for a long walk that night. We yep. walked around the hospital on the apartment complex. And that's right. I remember you just had so many questions and that's tough too. Cause I don't necessarily have all the answers. I just have potential outcomes. Of what right. It could be. So I, re I remember that night pretty well, man. I remember that pretty well. What uh, did you see any correlation between what I was going through at that time and what you had gone through in your uh, in that relationship you just got out of? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely like some similar actions and some of the similar suspicions and just not so much on the other end, but more so witnessing your, your feelings. Mm. I've gone I had like I've gone through that before where I had the feelings you had and I had the concerns that you had and just you were just eating up inside. And that's what I could relate to most. This is a complete loss of control. Yeah. And hurt. Which is a totally interesting feeling, especially when you're kind of for the first time in your life, I guess, recognizing that this stuff isn't going to work out the way you kind of like plan it. Like, like we have these plans right. in our head that we build, right? We, we get attached to this like outcome that we expect is going to happen. And then when it starts to veer yeah. off of that, like it feels like the world's crumbling around you. Yep, exactly. Keeping exactly. keeping your head having the right people. You're pretty decided on kind of what your plans were, what your goals were. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a trait of your personality. Is you're very organized, and I think that translates into your personal life as well. Mm. So it was a it was a bit of a disruption. <laughs> uh, do you did you see so just from the outside looking in? Do you see any difference from who I was back in the marriage and in that relationship compared to like? who I am today. And like, if you do, what are those, like, what are, what are some, uh, some big changes? The big thing is that you are now more focused than ever. Okay. Um, you were focused before, but you were spread a little bit more thin. Mm -hmm. Now I think if you have even any hesitation, you are all in. And yep. I can see that with your real estate goals. And I can see that with your decision to leave the military. Like you did well. I mean, you, you did well. You made yep. captain, ranger tab, 
the whole deal. You could have kept going. You could have had a career, but you decided to get out. Yeah. And I think that's the big, big thing is you're even more focused and you're putting all your energy into, you know, less amount of things versus like spreading yourself more thin. Interesting. So. It's always kind of interesting, right? To hear kind of like what the outside perspective is on, on somebody else, the way they see you. Um, cause, cause I even look at like my perspective of John DeLago is that John's always just this focused dude. Um, I would say girls can come and girls can go in your life. And it almost, I almost get the impression that like, it doesn't phase you. Like you just, you do what you do. And it seems like regardless of what's happening with the girls in your life, like it, that almost is, uh, like a non hindrance to you. Like it just, it bounces off you almost like you're not affected kind of like the influence or the effect that someone coming or leaving can really have. Yeah, no, I, I would just say that when it comes to when it comes to having really strong real estate goals and also coming out of the relationship that I referred to earlier, mm -hmm. it is kind of like focused me more than ever to achieve okay. those goals. It doesn't mean I it doesn't mean I deeply it doesn't mean I don't deeply care and take care of my girlfriend. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm not focused on their needs and I'm not focused on a relationship. Mm but it's almost like instead of it all being one on one ship, it's like two separate buckets and I take care of them both, but I don't really want cross contamination because I don't, I don't want to ever be to the yeah. point where I was when we met, when we were hanging out during that time. I don't I don't ever want to go back to that state where I felt so hurt and so vulnerable. Okay. What, what would you say? Uh, what lesson kind of did you learn? Cause walk us through kind of that relationship. I, I wasn't, uh, while I was aware of, uh, most of it, I think there's, there's some missing gaps, but like walk us through, through what, I guess, what led to you guys breaking up and then kind of like, what'd you learn? Cause that, that was a hard time for you. And it was helpful for me that you learned kind of the things that you did because it, it helped me get through what I needed to, but talking specifically on your, your side of the story, I guess, what led to it to get where it was? And then kind of like, where'd you, what lessons you walk away with? Well, the thing what made that relationship so special is that we met, we met in such an innocent manner. I met her in a park in Saratoga Springs. I was okay. literally just going to the bank that would make a deposit and get a slice of pizza. That was my goal. And it was actually my first night in the apartment moving to that city. And it was kind of like that post college, get out of my parents' house. You know, I was there temporarily for like four or five months. Yeah. Ready to move on and like actually start my life. So it was a, my first night in a new city, my first night in the apartment. Oh, okay. I was going to make a deposit and get a slice of pizza. And I saw her in the park and she was just, she just blew me away. And I approached hmm. her, which I'm always confident, but I'm not going to pretend like I'm up going, like approaching women, strange women all the time. Like, no. And I was something that was just drawn to her. And I, I did, and I talked to her. We ended up talking for 12 hours that night. Dang. So I think you have a, a relationship that starts off so authentically or in such a special manner. Yeah. You really hold on to it. And if yep. anything affects it or anything hurts it or anything becomes between you, it really takes a toll on you. Yeah. So that kind of happened and then it stretched out over five years, going through the army, going through training, going through basic training and all that nonsense again. And it was just this slow decline that I could witness, mm -hmm. but I could never grab a hold of. And mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier. Where I just, I never felt like I could fix it. I never felt like I had total control because there was always a, a service issue or a time zone issue or 
I was sleep deprived or she was upset. Yeah. You know, it's to see something like wither away slowly really hurts. Really hurts. Yeah. That's uh that's super so I have this I have this theory. You have to tell me what you think about it, but I call it door theory. And basically what uh what door theory is is explained is when you first meet somebody, right? When you first we'll say you open the door, right? So one person standing on one side of the door, one person on the other side of the door. When you first open that door, you have like an immediate impression that's formed. Either it's like a yes, like damn impressed, like blown away, kind of like you said, or it's like a, Oh, you know, like, oh, well, whatever. We guess we could have done better. Try again next time kind of thing. You'll have either one of those instant reactions. And based on that instant reaction, I think that fuels 99% of the success of if that's going to work out or not. Yeah. No, is I, that? I think you're. I think you're right, and it makes sense. And uh, regardless of your impression when you open that door, if there's certain stresses, you know, based on the context of your life or the timing, mm -hmm. she was going through. She was going through veterinary school while right. I was going through oh, okay. officer candidate school. So it just, and she's in a different country. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. It's one of those things where like. I don't know. People could call it excuses or I guess we could have made it work, but it just, it just didn't work out. And it was a very slow decline. So I'd agree with you that there was like that initial impression, but mm -hmm. that initial impression is what made me hold on so hard. And to see it wither away slowly was, it was pretty painful. It's pretty painful. Yeah. Yeah. Lessons, lessons learned, I guess, and, and walked away. What, uh, in the end of that relationship, because a part of the show, right, we talk about relationship stuff and a lot of people do like hearing both sides of the spectrum um, on not only like the female perspective about like relationships and stuff, but also from the guy's side, everybody's probably tired of hearing about me, but it's good to get some other voices and some other opinions on here. So like when that started, what, what was it that led to the relationship ending? Cause I know there could be a lot of stressors, not just distance, but a few other things. Did you guys feel like there just was something that was missing that wasn't working or was it solely just let like distance crushed and can ultimately remove it? I think, uh, I think being 25, 26, with a lot of stress in our personal lives and uh -huh. being physically apart and not being able to like, be physically together is huge because when we met, um, you know, it was nothing but physical and passionate and exciting and like romantic and we're in this beautiful city, Saratoga Springs, New York. So to have that taken away from us, just I think really, I think it just really hurt us over time. And there were so many fights where if we could have just physically been in the same room, it probably would have ended up in laughter or romance or whatever. But because there was always a phone call, there's that, uh, there's that natural disconnect. Yeah. I think that, that was really the end of it. That's what started the end was the, was the disconnect over the phone. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I can see that in, uh, in more than just like one way, just because it, it adds, already the barriers and the, the issues that there could be, it adds even more to that problem that you just sometimes you, you don't really need. Yeah. Really? Do you yeah. think, uh, so I want your opinion then. Do you think there can be success in long-term relationships or do you think not long-term, but long distance relationships or do you think long distance relationships are ultimately like almost doomed to fail unless you can at some point kind of pin an end? It's like one of those things, man, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> It's like you could probably figure out anything and you know, if you meet someone super special, like I'm all for it, go for it. Yeah. Like, do I think it's a deal? Do I think it's a good idea? Probably not. You know, and it's like, I don't know. 
who wants to be withheld that the physical romance and the excitement of going on dates for, for a long period of time? Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun. So what are, what are some, uh, what are some important things? So to John DeLago nowadays, so like if you are to, which are you, are you in a relationship right now or no? No, I am. I am right now. You are. Okay. So what are some important qualities that you look for in a relationship? Obviously distance being close and being able to see somebody taking that as one of them. What are some other things that you like will not settle on some non-negotiables that you got to get out of the way? Thing is right. Like right now, um, with my girlfriend right now is we just don't really clash. And when I say that, I don't mean that she doesn't stand up for herself because she Mm -hmm. does. She definitely makes her opinions known or, you know, things she wants to do. And I'm all in. I totally support her. Yeah. We've been for a year now and we don't clash. We get along. It's awesome. It's it's kind of refreshing. And I remember when I first started hanging out with her, I was, um, I mean, there's a guy we always have certain interests, right? But like Mm -hmm. I would hug her and it just like, nice. It was just like nice to be with her. Yeah. And it was the first time I really thought in that particular way it was just nice to be with her i really enjoy being around with her and just we just we take care of each other we really take care of each other that's cool and i think that's so important i mean my days are so long and so bizarre and kind of hard to explain trying to balance like real estate investment with a w-2 job yeah and she'll bring me a glass of water or she'll ask if you know she'll cook me some food or I'll do the same thing. Like she, she really wanted to go like see haunted houses because she's never really got to see haunted houses. She's from uh, Thailand. She's never been to like American haunted houses. So we went, we went all in. I went to, we went to like six haunted houses this fall, you know, <laughs> like whatever you want. But it's because at the same time, she's taking care of me. She'll come up with a glass of water or slice up an apple. Yeah. While I'm with a bank trying to convince him to loan me uh, money <laughs> for construction loan while also running my elevator job. So I know you got it. Yeah. That's yeah, that's cool. It's it's like it's uh what almost like natural kind of probably right. I think that's like the best way. It just feels natural. It just feels natural. It's like it's not this. I don't know. I can't stand this whole like genderful thing, and I don't even want to say want to go down that road. Unless you no, really I love it. it. Yeah, go for it. I can't stand the whole genderful thing. Yep. Of that whole conversation and trying to like, fight against it, or the opposite of trying to like put people in gender roles yeah i just like the idea of like taking care of each other uh, like when yeah. it comes to driving planning and trips it's like i deal with all that nonsense now if she okay. wants to plan a trip go ahead i don't care yeah. i deal with all that bullshit i deal with all that and the same time she takes care of me and it's just it's just nice yeah it's almost like you take that barrier out of the way it's interesting you bring that up because there's a um kind of like this revelation or revelation i had probably over the last day or two. Um, but it really, especially with all the tension in the elections and everything kind of like building up, but um, I've really found that I don't want to settle on somebody that is not kind of like you said, agreeing on like gender roles. It's not like you have to have a role assigned to people, but yeah. it's like embrace your femininity. I'm going to embrace my masculinity and together we're going to be a great team. Whereas when you're trying to play different roles or whatever, like, I don't know, they say, especially Christians, right? They say in the Bible all the time, it's like that the couple needs to be, you need to be with somebody that's equally yoked. And I used to always think that means like you have to be of the same religion. You have to be of the same beliefs. You have to be all that. And I think now I've almost learned that I value somebody that has the same values and like qualities that I value important to them as well. Like kind of having gender roles or, or being able to share in embracing what it is you bring to the table. And then they also do the same thing. 
yeah, I think that's a better way to put it is embracing what you bring to the table and being natural. Yeah. Like an example I always use is, okay, I cook all the time. Everyone loves to talk about the cooking example. They love the example, the joke, make a sandwich, all that bullshit. Right, (laughs) right. right. It's like, all right, I get that. But the reality is I actually cook a lot and I'm, I'm happy to cook. Right. You know what I love about her is that she recognizes when I don't have time to cook. You know, it's yeah. like she recognizes that she sees me, she can identify how busy I am and everything I have going on. Okay. We'll just get it done in that moment. At the same time, that same day I'll cook her a steak. Cause I like cooking. Yeah. So it's not about gender roles. It's about like bringing what, you know, enhancing what you can bring to the table. Like you said, okay. the other thing too, is like, I was joking about, I always use this snow example. It's like, I'll go split firewood when it's negative 20. I'll go shovel the driveway. I don't really care. But can you just be kind and not do this whole, like, fight your femininity? And, like, I don't know. I just, it's all nonsense. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I love that we're on the same page about it, though. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's like uh, one thing, one lesson I remembered when I was married was uh, they always – they always joked about like I say her and her family always joked about fucking happy wife, happy life. Right. We've all, we've all heard the damn phrase. It's the same thing. Like, Hey, listen, that's great. Ha ha joke. Funny, funny. But if I'm going to be miserable because happy wife, happy life, then I'm not going to last in the relationship and it ain't going to work. Yeah. 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 Patrice O'Neill. I don't know if you've ever listened to any of his uh, old clips. He flips flips the whole thing up on the uh, end of her end. He talks about the importance of actually the man being happy. And yeah. that if the man's not authentically happy, the woman over time is not going to be happy. And people that have like a certain perspective will take what he's saying and kind of misinterpret it to an extreme. But if you really think about what he's saying, like if, if the man's not happy or if he's just running around trying to, in quote, make his woman happy, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not going to be a lasting relationship. Right. Or not. No, because that's, that's almost, I think what happened with where I was is that you turn in, you just start resenting the other person. Just, you just, you're like, forget you. You know, I like, I don't want to spend time around you. I don't want to be around you. And then that ultimately eats them up and as it's eating you inside. And then both people are starting to become unhappy. And it's like, boy, this did not, this did not go well, did it? (laughs) (laughs) No. And the greatest thing, another thing I love about the girl I'm dating right now is she just, she just laughs, you know, she just, she's like, your schedule makes no sense. You're completely yeah. Like, oh, you're still working? You know, just kind of like this little little jab. But she yeah. doesn't give me a hard time about it. Yeah. The only thing I find awkward in couples too is when you have, whether it's the, the dude or the girl working super hard mm. and somebody makes a comment about it. Like, embrace yeah. it, honor it. Now, if the kids, if the dude's on his phone during your two-year-old's birthday, that's a problem. I'm not encouraging that. Yeah. You know, if he, if he never shuts shuts it off and he's not like spending time, I get that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But don't, don't jerk a guy down or a woman down for working hard. Mm-hmm. That's, that's nasty. And I don't want anything to do that in a relationship. Yeah, because that almost defeats the whole premise of y'all being a team together and working together on whatever it is. Because that's, that's really like, you, you've probably been around, right? We've all seen this couple where you go to a party 
and they're they're jabbing at each other you know just like sly remarks like they're talking in front of the group and they're like oh but you know jimmy doesn't uh doesn't take the trash out so that'll be me tonight and everybody's sitting there kind of like awkwardly you know like looking at each other feeling super uncomfortable like we've all seen that and that's what that is right that's deteriorating if you can't stand up for your significant other when it comes to like the small stuff like it's got to be you guys against the world and it can't be the other like you can't be at ed's yeah and especially shouldn't be on public display and the other thing is who gives a shit who takes the trash out yeah i'll take the trash out. i don't care like i don't know i know you're using it as an example but it's a real example right i don't care i don't care about i'll vacuum trash dishes vacuuming everything I don't care. But at the same time, whoever I date needs to understand that my focus 10, 12 hours a day is not on vacuuming and cleaning. Mm-hmm. I'll just pay someone to do it. Yeah. If it's such an issue. Right. If it gets I really value efficiency of time. How am I spending time is really important to me. Mm-hmm. It's not a humility issue. I would actually rather vacuum than <laughs> do some of the things I have to do for my W2 job. Yeah. But I need my W2 job and I need to focus on my real estate and vacuuming or at times cooking is not efficient. Right. It's not a good use of the time. It's better off hired out because you can use your time better, making more money and proposing to the banks why you need a, you know, 80% loan to value six and a half percent that you can throw down on the development that you need. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. I love it. That's so true. I, it's funny you bring that up. So there's a, uh, there's a book, which you probably haven't read. Um, I should actually send it to you. Um, but it's called uh, The Way of the Superior Man. And one of the things, I think I'm going to do an episode on this. I was reading through it last night and I started highlighting some pieces. And it talks about how the, uh, the duty of the guy or the, a lot of the book talks about the male perspective in terms of like relationships and happiness and, and you know, pursuit of what you're trying to become. And in this particular part, it talks about how the guy has to almost stay true to himself because if at any point you start sacrificing who you are and you start changing it for, we'll say to like make the girl happy, right? To make your woman happy, then it almost lays in question your validity and your truth into who you are. And she, in a sense, stops trusting you and she stops desiring you as a result of that. So when you talk about like, hey, my focus is like, I have to do this work thing because it's what gives me purpose. It's what allows me to drive to build my real estate empire. It's what allows me to do these things. Like I have to be able to focus on this. I need you to accept that. Whereas the, the opposite side of that could be like, oh, you want to hang out tonight? Okay, well, I will sacrifice my work, which is you know what I need to do. I'll sacrifice myself to make you happy. And that slowly deteriorates the sense of like trust which as a result deteriorates the, the interest or the desire from the female side, from the feminine energy in the relationship to you as the guy who should be the pillar, who should be the one kind of staying on your focus and staying on your direction. So it's interesting yeah. you bring that up. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think something that's uh, difficult for sustaining a relationship in a healthy manner long-term is sustaining attraction. You know, sustaining attraction from a woman to yourself as a man. And I think you're exactly right. If you deviate from your purpose, mm. um, she is going to start losing attraction for you. Yeah. She's going to start questioning you. 
And it's funny that I, I love having these conversations because while I have them, I'm so conscious of the extreme perspective people take on, on the words we're using, like questioning you, you know, and there's going to be this like crazy feminist, you know, take on that. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not, not what I'm saying is that mm. as she loses attraction for you, she's going to start to question you to, to really see if you, if you are who you say you are. Right. Little ways over the course of time. And I don't, I don't think that's good. I think you want to seem obviously attractive and confident to your woman. Like, oh, yeah, you definitely, you have to. You. Okay, good. I, you, you definitely, you, you have to, because I, I've noticed in, because I've noticed girls who aren't uh, kind of like true to themselves, right? Because if you think about it when you meet a girl and you start uh, hanging out with her more and more, if she's willing to almost sacrifice stuff she wants to do, like just to like hang out with me or do stuff that like I want to do, I almost kind of sit there and I'm like, man, like you you don't want to like stick up for yourself or like stand up or whatever. It kind of like lays into question. Yeah. You know, like, are you just doing this just to make me happy or is this really what you want to do? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there's a difference between like, there's a difference between pausing for a second and trying to take care of your partner. Yes. Pausing for a second and trying to like, and realizing the moment like, whoa, she really needs me right now. Or this is really important. Like her mother's sick or it's her friend's birthday, whatever it is. Like that's not you and I are driving at. We're driving at the day in, day out nonsense. Yeah. People do to, to chip away at each other. Your 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 true your true self your deeper purpose kind of more or less. There's yeah. uh, it's funny you say that too because there is a part where he talks about he's like, it doesn't mean you can't change your mind. It doesn't mean you can't change what you're thinking. All it means is you have to stay true to yourself. If you are given new information, right? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you always shut your woman down or you don't ever take her advice or anything like that. It means if she gives you new information and that changes what you thought before existed. You can make a new decision based on that information, but you need to be the one to understand that you are making the decision for yourself, understanding that this is the purpose I got to go. And you're not letting her change your decision that you know is right and go against that. Yep. It's almost like you add new information, that information changes what you were going to decide in the first place. And that I think is exactly what you just said. It's like, okay, doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Doesn't mean you can't listen to them. Doesn't mean you can't do that. Just means stay true to yourself, really. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, I think what parallels to that too is it doesn't mean you can't admit you're wrong. Yeah. Like I do, I do yeah. all the time. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, she'll call me out on something. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. You're right. You know, <laughs> I'm that, a dick. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's different from being confident and charging into the situation and making decisions. And like you said, adjusting on the fly. Yeah, I think as long as like as a dude, you charge in and make decisions and do something. Yeah, then you need to adjust later. That's that's okay, and you can admit you're wrong. But if you sit yep. there and you constantly doing base, you know, uh, heating to her, you're gonna have problems. You're gonna yeah. have problems, and that relationship's not gonna last. Yeah, there's there is definitely a layer of deterioration that occurs when when you constantly are changing your mind every time she wants to do something different because it's like you can't stand up for yourself that's kind of what it like really boils down to is you're just you're not standing up for yourself she's rolling all over you and that's when people say whipped that's exactly kind of what it is 
that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And I think that, that goes in line with also being honest too. Mm-hmm. I think the balance between being honest and respectful is an interesting line. You know, like if you, you, you need to be honest to other people. You need to be honest to your partner, but you also need to be respectful too. You know, yeah. I think a good example again is going back to like a mother's birthday. Like, do you want to go to this birthday? It's like, I don't want to go to this birthday. Am I going to be honest 99% of the time? Yeah. But am I going to be honest in that situation? No. <laughs> do you want to go to the birthday? Of course I do. Or like maybe I'll say no with a smile and make a joke out of it. But I yeah, think there's yeah. a of like elements of respect yeah. as well that you have to be conscious of. Almost like you say like, no, I don't want to go. But are we going to go? Yes, yeah. we're going to go because we're going to be supportive of this and it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can have a personality, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not just a log. Right. Yeah. There's, a, um, I think, an interesting layer of having somebody that you feel natural around. Because when you say, like, the relationship feels natural, it's almost like your interactions together feel natural. And you don't feel like you're fake. Like, I, I personally cannot fucking stand when I have to act like I am hosting somebody every single time we're spending time together. Like if they're, if they're over and it's like we're cooking dinner, watching a movie, if you're just having beers or whatever, like if I feel like I have to constantly be hosting you, like taking care of you, like making you feel less uncomfortable. Like if you're being just the weirdest brick on the corner and you are just sitting there super stiff and like no interaction, no personality, nothing like none of that stuff. Like nothing about the situation feels natural. And I, absolutely like i can't stand that kind of stuff i can't i that's like one of the biggest ways for me to rule stuff out is like if i don't feel natural with you and you make me feel incredibly uncomfortable just because you're feeling uncomfortable then i like this i know right away this ain't gonna work no you you hit the nail on the head man because i dated a girl previously where i always felt like i had to have my apartment clean and i was had i was super conscious of like what i was wearing every time i was hanging out with her and it was super unnatural like the girl now I'm dating like she knows I'm organized and she knows I'm clean and well kept and everything mm-hmm. but she's also my apartment be a disaster and it's not because I'm lazy it's it's kind of because of the opposite it's just like a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yeah yeah she can she can lend a hand that's when her teamwork kind of comes into the picture right yeah exactly. exactly yeah dude there's a lot of power in surrounding yourself with people who have shared goals I would say right just like people that have shared interests. There's a, um, there's a lot I've read on uh, environment and surrounding yourself with, uh, with the mindset that you're trying to kind of achieve or portray. Yep. And when you surround yourself with those people, obviously you start thinking like that. If you surround yourself with people sitting on the couch all day, not trying to find a job, smoking pot, you know, like doing that, you're probably going to be more likely to be one of those people then, then you're not right. Whereas if you surround yourself with people that are go-getters, hungry, you know, passionate about what they're doing, you're probably going to also be those qualities and those things. It's almost like the, uh, if you surround yourself with seven millionaires, you know, you're the eighth. If you surround yourself with seven, you know, laundry services or whatever, then you're going to be the eighth one. You know, it's like, depending on kind of like where you go, that's, that's who your, your network is your net worth, right? That's where you're going to end up. And, uh, I think not only in a relationship is that so true, but also just in business and friendships, right. And the people you, you hang around with and you talk to on a regular basis, that also is like 
absolutely paramount. I can tell you with our relationship, every time I talk with you, whenever we get on the phone, we start talking real estate, it turns into a two hour discussion that was only supposed to be like 10 minutes. And then before I know it, I'm buying some new $800,000 property with five units. Like I sit there and I'm like, man, what would happen if we just lived in the same, like if we lived in the same city or town or even the same, you know, apartment, like, holy shit, what would we be doing? Like what crazy monstrosities would we be buying and coming up with if that was the case? <laughs> how is it, how has it been for you, man? You know, like, cause this is one of the things I struggle with the most. And the, one of the reasons I chose New York city, well, there's, yeah. there's two main reasons I chose New York city. Okay. One was because the loneliness of the military over time. Mm-hmm. coincided with the sleep deprivation, the hours, going to work in the dark, coming home in the dark, kind of that natural disconnect with the local society, wherever you're stationed, you know all yeah. about that. The other reason, so I kind of chose Manhattan because it's, it's the opposite of that. Like it's super social, lots of food, walkability, all that. Yeah. The other reason I chose Manhattan, though, is I was very conscious of it being, at least previous to COVID, was the financial center of the world and the financial universe of the world and especially the states so i was hoping to use this opportunity to like really meet other people of like mind yeah but Manhattan's kind of a weird place where everyone kind of does their own thing so we'll talk about that later if you want but how has it been for you in colorado like have you been able to find a lot of peers um that are trying to accomplish the same things i'll say maybe not directly by like where I live, but I will say that the environment that I put myself in here, I mean, I'm living, I'm living in a 2000 square foot loft above three bars, you know, downtown city center of a beautiful city where I can see, you know, a 14,000 foot mountain right outside the window. Like the environment that I have here, maybe with people is not as close, but with the environment, it gets me out of, cause, cause the other option is right. I live at home in Michigan uh, with, with family or whatever. And I, I don't think with what I have here in Colorado, I think it's more motivating for me and allows me the freedom to get out, allows me to go snowboarding, go hiking, go check out some scenery, go driving, um, all sorts of things that I couldn't really necessarily do. I think if I lived back in Michigan, back at home, so that I would say freedom to explore or freedom to just kind of like be my own allows me kind of to do that to where I'm not, it's almost like I'm not tied down. It's not like I'm taking off, but I'm not tied down. I at least have the ability to do whatever I want, you know, when I can. And, and I've, I have too. I mean, um, there's been a couple times. So I went to a conference back at the end of June. Uh, I was with 30 people paid $10,000 a seat to go sit in this room with 30 other millionaires. I mean, these people are running multi-million dollar businesses. I think the, the smallest dude in that room was running some $24 million business. I mean, there's people all the way up to, to the guy that lives next to John Travolta and runs BBK uh, performance automotive parts, like big, big, big names in that room. And by the power of me, I think being here surrounding myself with, just the opportunities and the possibilities that I have out here in Colorado has allowed me to take kind of like the leaps to where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take that leap and I'm going to do that. And then I met those people. And then from that, I made connections that then introduced me to more people to where now in two weeks, I'm going to go um, to Utah for another conference. I'm going to sit down in a mansion with uh, 15 other people that are in a similar position and, and just do the same thing. Surround yourself with these like-minded people that are trying to just go big and go huge. And, the power of proximity in that sense 
is almost, yeah. you know, priceless really. No, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the reason I brought it up is because it's been at times a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Uh, in New York city. Um, maybe anywhere, but just for me with New York city, like I'm so busy mm-hmm. that you don't always interact with people that are doing the same thing. And they may, yeah. they may be right next to you. And you don't even it. But right. It, yeah. I agree with you, man. Like if we are in the same city, that would be, <laughs> that'd be pretty wild. I would certainly it, appreciate that. It would, it would absolutely, I think change a lot of things. Um, and I think, I mean, at least how I would view New York city, I, I think I would feel kind of, um, contained almost like I couldn't just take off and go just explore almost wherever I wanted yeah, to. Whereas yeah. here, yeah, here I can go drive two hours, be so far away in the mountains that I, I can't get self service and <laughs> I can essentially just disappear, you know, for the rest of the day. And I think that freedom is really cool where I, I don't think I would have that if I was in New York and that, that might be limiting to kind of a mindset. No, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, pre COVID it was, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. You know, it's pretty <laughs> unbelievable. You know, just the, the density of charisma and opportunity, like in just in one square block. But now with COVID it's, it's, it's a different city. Yeah. So I think I'm on my way out. I think I'm probably after four months, it's going to be it for me. And that'll be three years, three years. Okay. In New York at that point. That's not bad. Well, shit, dude, come back to fucking Colorado. Let's get this shit on the road. We already started looking at some real estate and some property together. I don't think that deal particularly was a fantastic one. I think it was a little overpriced. So I think that's okay yeah, to let that one go. There wasn't a lot of margin there for us, right? No. So it's okay to let that one go. But the cool thing is I think that's such an easy start. And the cool thing I like, uh, when you talk with certain investors, um, people are sometimes hesitant because I don't think they're super used to understanding what it means to like invest in real estate and they don't know what they're looking at when it comes to numbers. So you can give them all the data you want and it, and they still don't quite know. Whereas I think now with you and I, we've done this enough where we understand when I'm telling you like, Hey, here's, here's the income this property is producing here's a purchase price. Here's what we got to pay on the debt. And, and I can give you certain statistics. You're like, fuck yeah, dude, if you think it's good, let's roll. Like, what do we need to throw down? You know, there's, there's no question to it. You almost, it's, it's easy to identify like opportunities that come in your life. And then dude, that, that opens the door, I think to possibilities like you've never seen before. And a lot of people don't understand that. No, it's true. And it's, it's good to have you still out there on the ground because you can find opportunities, you can find deals and I know I can trust you. And when you told me you're confident, then I'm good with it. That's all I yeah. need to know. Right. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's crazy, man. And it's cool when you get to that point because when you start to, and I acknowledge like I'm still super, super junior in terms of where I want to go. Yeah. But I'm, I'm six years ahead of where I was when I first started. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to someone who's like making the first investment, the first purchase, they're sort of nervous about the same little details you're nervous about. And then mm-hmm. you get to the point where you're like, oh yeah, a bathroom's eight grand or Oh yeah. It's whatever. It's, it, it feels cool, man. It feels super cool. It's fun. I, I love it. What's uh when you first, cause you moved out here in uh, what was it? 2012, right? That's when you moved out to Colorado first time. Uh, 2014. 2014. I moved out. Okay. okay. So, so when you moved, when you moved out to Colorado, 2014, what, uh, what prompted you to, because we talked about it a little bit. Again, we weren't super close at the time, but what prompted you to buy the first house that you had? 
it just, it just, you know what it was is um, my grandfather. My grandfather okay. was really big real estate and his strategy was buy property where people don't currently find value, but you see value in it long-term. He called it his uh, railroad theory where he would buy real estate near the railroad. And he knew that eventually that railroad was going to go out of service and eventually they're going to pull up those tracks. And that's exactly what he did. And he bought his first property right next to a railroad for dirt cheap. If he wants to sit there with a train whistle going by twice a day. And eventually they ended up building uh, strip malls on that property and he sold it to a bunch of investors about 10 years later. Whoa. So that, that triggered his real estate and that's, he did real estate for about 30 or 40 years. So between him and then kind of watching my dad, his involvement with real estate on the side, yeah. it kind of triggered me to like, I wanted to get started at some point. And back in 2014, as you know, is home values were way down yeah. compared to where they are now in Colorado Springs. Like my first mm. property I bought well under 150,000 in yeah. Colorado Springs or two bed, one bath. And nowadays it's like, that's going to be well over, you know, $200,000 property. So right. it was just the right time to get in. I always wanted to get in and it was super exciting and exhilarating. Like I was scared that first time. Were you? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But you took the leap anyway and you did. Yeah, so I looked at, uh, I flew out there from Georgia and I looked at 30 properties in, in two days. Whoa. And that kind of gave me a crash course on, you know, after number 10 or 15, you start to get a feel for, you know, what so much square footage costs, you know, kind of layouts you like, you get it, you get a kind of feel for the area. I was working with two realtors at the time before I stuck with Kelly now permanently. And uh, that kind of gave me a good sense of Colorado Springs and what I wanted what I, and what I was willing to pay for. Yeah. There, from there you get an idea. I always tell, I always try and tell everybody um, if you're, if you're new to buying a home, you're new to buying something, whatever, start looking at houses, just start, just start looking at them. You don't, yeah. you don't have to have a pre-approval letter. You don't have to talk to a bank, just start looking at homes. And by the time you get to about three, four or five, you've got a really good understanding about what it is you like, what you, what you want. And, and you can really start making like educated decisions based on what it is that you're actually looking for. I think it helps. You're exactly right. I would say the same thing was when I, when I did my first renovation for an Airbnb. Is like I literally went down to having to take out loans to finish that project. Wow. Take out a personal loan through American Express at like eight or nine percent. In hindsight, you know, I wouldn't do. But again, it was like the experience of just going for it and yep. doing it. I learned a lot about, you know, financial opportunities elsewhere to fund projects. And uh, I really learned the value of raising the value of your home and developing mm. And how powerful a tool that can be too. Yeah. You think there's a, cause when you talk about taking a leap and, and just going for it, I have my own theories on this, but do you see a difference in people who are, so we'll talk about the 1% and the 99%, right? We talk about these, these two, we'll talk two groups of people, 1%ers and, and 99%ers. When you start looking at the difference between the two groups, two types of people, what do you think is the biggest differentiation? What makes one percenters different from the 99%? The biggest difference is being risk takers 
and be and being willing to adjust after after you make the decision. Ooh, interesting. Okay, being able to be flexible. Being flexible and having the confidence to make the decision. It's just like you said. You know, does it really matter? Does it really? If you're looking at homes between two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars as your first purchase, right? Yeah. And you have a well-qualified realtor. Does it really matter which one you buy? I mean, yes, you could make a you could make an atrocious mistake. But what I'm saying is, generally speaking, if you have a realtor that knows what they're doing, and you're listening to him or her, does it really matter, per se? Not really. Not really. What matters is that you made the decision to go buy one. Hmm. Maybe you realize you didn't buy in the right area. Maybe you realize you wish you bought a multifamily. Maybe you hmm. realize whatever. But at least you're realizing something and you made a decision. Yes. It's like it's like you took the leap because a lot of people get in this like analysis paralysis to where they'll sit there and they'll try and just analyze and yeah. analyze and yeah. analyze and they'll never make a decision, which means they never actually learn anything. Exactly. And then I know like naysayers are going to hear what I said. And they're going to like take it to the extreme. It's like, what if you did a hard money loan and tried to flip a house and you lost? Yeah, yeah I get that. I'm not, yeah. all the things I'm on board with, I'm not, that's not my point. My point is make a freaking decision. And if you want to get into real estate, mm-hmm. buy a house. Yeah, because even in, even in, let's take that extreme example. And you will say, do a fix and flip. You make this house super nice, but now it's the nicest house in the block and the, the area can't afford the house, right? The area purchase price can't afford it. Now you've got, uh, you've got a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting lesson because now it's like, all right, so what do I do? Now, now you can start balancing questions that maybe you wouldn't have asked before. Like, do I actually sell the house? Do I rent it out? Do I put a divider down the middle, make it a duplex and rent out two separate sides? You know, now you start getting like creative about things. And, and you can be the naysayer and you can, you can shrivel up and die at the first problem that presents itself to you. Or you can be like, maybe there's an opportunity in here that there's something more I can learn. Let's, let's play around with it and see what we come up with. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you're talking about doing this renovation. You're going to learn about design and layouts mm-hmm. and working with GCs and the importance of, of having contracts Yeah. at the beginning of the job and you're going to learn. So I'm still learning so much six years later and I know I have a long way to go. Yeah. And you also start to learn the importance of professionals. Like I lean heavily on my accountant. I have been in conversation with my accountant probably, probably on average once a month, Hmm. which, you know, for a lot of investors, that's not many times. I'm sure there's investors that are talking to their accountants once a week or once a day. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. But for me to talk to my accountant previously, all I did, all he did previously was do my taxes and I'd see mm-hmm. him end of every year. I'm talking to him once or twice a month, just asking questions, learning constantly when it comes to, and then dealing with uh, architects. Yeah. Dealing with Which, general contractors. That's a whole with, new game. Yeah. Dealing with bankers, dealing yeah. with landscape architects, interior designers. And just cause I throw out these, uh, these titles, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm using them on every project or you need them on every project, but that's where I start now where before it was like, I was making all the mistakes and eventually crawling my way to the professional or now it's like, yeah. Hey man, do, do I need you on this project on this scale? 
Right. He's like, yeah, not really. I can at least consult with you for half a day and get you in the right direction. Or maybe he says, yeah, and he does two weeks of giving me a full-scale blueprint, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the person that decides to make a decision and at least do something will learn the lessons that we learned early on, which was you hire the half-assed laborer, you hire the person that's going to do the half-assed quality, that do the half-assed project, and you get a half-assed result as, as, as a result of it. And we never would have learned that if we didn't try and do it just by getting started on our own. Like you don't, you don't start with uh, five levels or five properties deep worth of experience. You don't, like, there's no way you'll get there unless you're five properties deep. And in order to get five yeah, properties deep, you got to start with the first one. Exactly. I didn't know anything about depreciating an asset. Yeah. I didn't or, know anything about like, or like, Jesse and Dayton's and those kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I had no idea about, you know, if you paid someone cash, then you can't really claim it in depreciation over 27 and a half years. I didn't know yeah. about any of that. Now the first thing I do is if I'm going to hire someone, I ask for a W-9. I ask, do they have insurance? Are they licensed? This is before they even pick up a hammer. But yeah. before I was like, all right, man, let's let's do this. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw throw that sprinkler in the ground, baby. Here we go. Oh shit. <laughs> this, this is not the way I wanted that to look. <laughs> uh so many great things. I mean, I uh even today, right, I sat down with um some of the architects that that we talked with. And uh, just the level of professionalism, the amount of how much easier this whole process is going to be. I mean, just uh, learning things right through experience is, is huge. And I mean, it doesn't just only translate to real estate or business. Obviously, that's, that's where we have a lot of experience with it. But I mean, the same things with relationships too. When you talk about people like going on dates and whatnot, like people are always saying, oh, I hate dating. I hate getting out there and, you know, talking people and meeting new people and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but listen. You ain't going to meet anybody if you don't at least start once because you got to go on a date. You're not trying to date everybody. So don't be bummed out when the first person you meet ain't somebody you like or are going to take home at the end of the day. Like, that's okay. That's part of the game. You're trying to meet one person, not 500 people. You're only trying to date one. So don't get pissed off when it's not the right person, just like with us in real estate. You know, sometimes you got to learn a lesson. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just, just make a decision. Buy a freaking house. And just start going. I love it. So that is, if anybody's taking anything away from this show right now, the difference between the 1% and the 99%, you got to fucking just make a damn decision. And don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid of making the wrong choice. Kind of like the example I gave with the, uh, uh, what was it? You said something about maybe you're going to go, maybe you make a choice, you do the flip and then, and then you can't sell the thing, right? Uh, you can't be afraid of right. making the wrong choice. You almost have to kind of like embrace those things em- embrace that you're going to mess up and let's see what we're going to learn from this. And that's kind of how you, I would say you have to approach it. Don't be afraid of a fucking up because shit, man, you ain't ever going to always get it perfect. You might as well get it done the first time. Yeah. And like, obviously people that have been doing this for 20, 30 years or those outliers that are just straight geniuses, you know, in this particular context, they may mm-hmm. look at your decisions and your initial decision and be like, what the hell are you doing? You know, that was a huge mistake, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't make these mistakes and you don't pull the trigger, yeah. you're never going to get there. But right. if you're not one of these like random genius outliers, all these other guys have been doing for 20, 30 years, they went through the same mistakes, the same process. Yeah. Start with one and they work their way up. Yeah. 
Yeah. And think about um, how far along you've come because you decided to take the leap and start. Whereas you wouldn't be, what do you, you said six years, you said 2014. So yeah, six years ago is when you bought your first house. You wouldn't be, you got what, four now, four properties? Five properties now. Five. So you wouldn't be at five properties if you didn't start with one when you started, like just taking the leap, right? Just going for it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, what's funny is, and I've told you this before, I got so much criticism when I purchased my first house. Really? Or naysayers. When they asked me like, how much was the house renting for? What was my mortgage? And how much was I clearing after it was professionally managed at 10% of gross? And I think at that time, I think I was only clearing $20 a month. Wow. That was after, you know, the 10% for professional management. Wow. And a lot of the naysayers, it's by the way, I still haven't purchased a house six days, <laughs> you know, six years later. Isn't that funny? They're giving me so much shit. And it's like, Hey man, this is what I, this is what I'm willing to afford. I want to have it professionally managed, especially being in the army at that time, training, yeah. blah, 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 you got it. And the, the funny thing about it is I think four years later, I took out a massive cash out refinance loan out of that house after the values went way up. And that funded my Airbnb project. Yeah. And now I'm clearing, you know, much more obviously than $20 a month. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's completely secure investment. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's, it's that whole, don't be afraid of making the wrong decision, make a decision and then make it the right one. Just, just make, make it work. And you like, when you, when you start thinking of things, I think in that mindset of, listen, I don't know if this is the right decision or not but I'm going to make it work. Like somehow this is going to happen and this is going to work for me. And this is all going to be great. Like when you go into it with that mindset, dude, you're like, there's no way you're going to fail. Like the universe almost has to conspire to help you get to what you got. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's like I said, you just, you got to start with one. Yeah. And if you have someone mentoring you and he can get you to start with a multifamily or you can skip some steps. Great. I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying if you have the ability to skip steps. That's awesome. I didn't have that though. I didn't right. have someone holding my hand, and I started with one single family house. So interesting. You say that now there's, I, I always say there's two, there's like, there's two ways really where you can learn um, essentially like a lesson or you can, you can get experience. You can either, do that through your own experience, your own lessons learned, and you can be forced to kind of go through these things that you have to learn on your own or so so you can do it on your own and learn the lessons and learn the experiences and take that away from it. And that's one way. Or the other way is you can learn through the experiences and the lessons of others. You can, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books, you can sit down with a mentor, right? You can learn through the experiences of other people. So while you and I decided to leap in and do it and just learn the hard way, right? Learn from experience, which uh, hard way or not, we learn, you learn a lot. I'd, I'd say you almost learn more from doing it on your own, yeah, but, sure. um, but, but you don't have to, you don't have to jump in front of a car and get hit by a car to learn that the car is going to win. It's going to hurt. Right. So you can, somebody else can tell you that and you can, you can deduct and take it away. So it's not always the best way of doing it, but um, we as humans have a huge potential and a lot of possibility and the ability of what we can do when we predict outcome, especially from learning from other people. And yeah. if you can find a mentor, somebody that's willing to walk you through, I, I did this with my sister. I told her, I was like, Brianna, you need to get, you need to start looking at 
buying a house. Like we need to get you starting to look at real estate. She's still living at home with her parents. I think she really needs to move out of the house and she needs to get started. She's about 25, 26 years old now. So she's, she's definitely at the age where she needs to start doing that. She doesn't have to, but I really want her to, cause I want her to be financially independent. Like I am at 29, you know, and she's a start now doing those things. So she can be where John is five properties later, six years down the road. And she, you know, can do whatever she needs to. And, um, really kind of teaching her and helping her. I'm kind of playing that mentor role in her life. And I don't think if I was there, she wouldn't, her, her mind kind of wouldn't be open to these ideas. Yeah. I, I think that's, it, it is huge understanding that maybe you don't know the lessons and maybe you're not willing to take the experience or maybe you are willing, but you just don't know where to start finding that mentor, finding the books, finding that podcast, finding whatever it is that you need to listen to, to kind of take those lessons and, and walk away. And I don't know, maybe skip a few steps in the process, right? Give yourself yeah, a jump. I, yeah, of course, man. Like there's going to be people listen to this. That's like, Oh, I've, I have half the experience in double the houses. Like, all right, man, like sweet. Call me after and teach me stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying like I'm better than anybody. What I'm saying is that when you make the decision, it's it, it you're actually, you get to enter the game. Yes. Now you're playing. In the game. Now you're playing. Now the you're game. And I think podcasts are amazing. Like I love listening to Jordan Peterson. I mm. love listening to Dan Pena. Yeah. You know, I love listening to like really intense guys like that. And it's great. But I think what's great about podcasts is it gives you the confidence to make the decision. Yeah. It's really important that you actually still make it though. You know, I think the, the counter to that or the opposite of that would be to only be living in a context or a world of podcasts. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Like, yeah. I think podcasts are great if it's giving you confidence or it's giving you a sense of community of people you can relate to who have mm-hmm. similar more goals or interests, but you also still have to be making the decision in the real world as well. Yeah. You, you have to take the leap of some like analysis paralysis again, right? You can't sit there and just learn, 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 learn. At some point you got to make a decision and you got to yeah. move forward. Yeah. A lot of people I think miss that step. They, they miss the, Oh, I have to do something now kind of phase. You know, it's like, um, so between, between you and I, what you're at five properties, I'm at three now, hopefully four soon, but we wouldn't, we're what, seven, seven deep. That's probably over 2 million. Just assuming what you've got probably over $2 million in terms of what we have under real estate assets at almost probably three, but we wouldn't be here if we didn't. While, while I did learn some things, I kind of really, I wouldn't say really learned a lot before I decided to pull a trigger on my first one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now fuck dude, just like your house, right? You were able to pull out as much as you were, you're able to rehab the property. Now it's providing probably what 1300 bucks a month in, in re- revenue that you're producing out of that thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you're able to refund or refinance, pull the cash out and put it towards other projects that are now producing income as well. I mean, my first property produces over $65,000 a year. That's insane. That's one house. And that is more than most people, at least some people make, I mean that, that house alone will keep me out of poverty. Yeah. Just one house. That's one property. Now imagine you do that 10 times. I mean, look at the amount of income and stuff you're making. I mean, it's, it's not hard. And the thing is, is I think people distance themselves from decision makers from, right. We, we, we talk like, Hey, we're, we're the one percenters. Cause we know you and I know that we're going to make it and we're, we're already on the path. Like we're, we're going like, there's no question about it. We're going to be there. And some people distance themselves from us. Cause they're like, I don't have that experience. I don't have the ability. I didn't come from a family with money. Like, listen, if you guys are listening to this right now, 
neither John nor I are from either sides of those spectrums. Like we are not from wealthy families. We are not from people that knew what they were doing. We had no idea going into this other than let's, let's take a chance. Let's, let's try this. And as a result, now we're getting to the point where we can share these experiences with other people, but we can also kind of say like, Hey, we kind of, we kind of did it. Like we're nothing special by no means are we there, right? We're not these multi-billionaire people, but, but we, we understand that we're going to get there someday because we're willing to take these chances. And I think that's, if I had to give any advice to anybody listening, it would be understand that take a chance, start. And that's, that is the first step you need to take. And before you know it, you're going to be, you know, six, seven, eight properties down the road. You're going to be sitting here fucking cranking out 83 grand a month, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. You slowly start to become more and more a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, as you have more and more properties, a bank is going to look at you a little bit differently. Right. Your assets are what you're, you know, maybe you're going for a certain net worth. Uh, being being able to secure certain types of loans, being able to secure certain types of debt, um, getting away from just worrying about your credit score and getting yeah. more towards, towards your uh, assets and your net worth. I think it, it just shifts slowly over time as you acquire more properties, if that's what your goal is. Yeah. Yeah, because you can – I mean, that's one thing that I've learned, I'd say, um, over this quarantine – is that there's more than one way to leverage cash, I guess, in your account. Like, like I can leverage, I can leverage credit score. I can leverage experience. Now I can leverage other assets that I have. Like you can bring in more than just what you bring to the table. You can do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, external investors, right? So between you and I and, and other people, right. That, that bring money to the table that want to get in the game because you've proven that after so many properties, like, Hey, look, look what I've been able to do. Now other people are interested and they want to start contributing. So now they're paying money. So now you can start kind of expanding and growing and, and really just start just running away with it. Right. It's, well, it's, it's so funny too, because then you get the, you get the random phone calls. Like all of a sudden you'll call me and be like, Hey man, did you know you can leverage your 401k? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like you go, you almost go broke trying to make an Airbnb. Yeah, you know, and you find leverage your 401k, you can take out 50 percent of the value. No, that's four percent. Like, all right, I just paid for a bathroom. Like, thank God. <laughs> like that was pretty neat. Now what? You know? Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's another thing too. So there's always um, while we talk about power of proximity, the people you talk with, the people you surround yourself with, the mindsets you surround yourself with. There's a uh, a concept I think called the spearhead and the driver. I don't know if I told you about this, no. but so, so there's almost in, in a decision-making process, especially when you got two like-minded people, there's a spearhead and there's a driver. So there's two types of people. Well, not types of people, but two roles, if you will. Um, the spearhead is kind of the person that, that gets in, gets in there, right. And just breaks the surface and like, almost like has the idea or has the opportunity and like gets in and identifies it and just makes it in. Now without the driver, without the shaft of that spear, the, the spearhead's just stuck, right? It just, it just sits there. It's fucked up. It's, it, it's like, yeah, fuck you got in. No, now what, you know? But if you have somebody that's that, that shaft that can like drive that spearhead deeper and through the target or through the goal, then, then you have this like unstoppable force essentially. So yeah, funny you say that. Cause like, 
I swear to God, almost every single one of our conversations, especially when it comes to real estate, whenever we start sitting down and talking about shit, it's like, bro, like our conversation the other day when that, uh, when that's that off market deal came up, I was like, dude, here's a house. Like, I think we should, we should, we should look into it. You're like, all right, well, what does it take? And I'm like, well, I'm going to need, you know, this much more. And you're like, oh, okay. So you're putting up this much. I'll put up this much. Cool. Let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. You know, it's like, I came to the table. I threw some thing on the table. I couldn't make it happen myself, but brought you in. You gave me like the reinforcing attitude I needed to be like, yeah, dude, let's do it. Cause, cause yeah. obviously when I call you, there is always a sense of doubt with us as risk takers and investors and people that just want to go right. The one percenters there, there's a lot of self doubt that happens, Like people don't understand there's a shit ton of self doubt that goes down, but having somebody in your corner that can kind of step up when you're feeling pushed back, somebody that can step up to the plate and be like, dude, like keep going. Like this is going to work. That's priceless. No, it really is. And then like also just having a partnership in general, you know, it could be a conversational partnership. It could be an investment like we were talking about the other day, going mm. on that house together. It's huge, man. It's huge because, I don't know, we both kind of like in almost in isolation uh, to too much. We were scurrying around in our own little world with all these ideas and goals. And as soon as you get on the phone or you see someone that has similar interests, you're like, all right, we can actually do this. Yeah. And that's, what I, that's why I love having people around that are like-minded. Yep. Yeah, and the same can go true while – while we're giving very obvious examples of like positive like-minded people, the same can be true for the negative type of people that you allow in your life. I'm I'll say over quarantine, I have learned a lot of negative people that were in my life and people that I somehow for some reason worried about losing, you know, cause you're like, maybe you don't want to break off certain relationships or you've had them for a long time or you know, some reason the person's important to you, or maybe it's family, right? Maybe family, yeah. maybe it's even yeah. like family. You can't just cut them off, but understanding like the people that don't help push you to become better and don't, I won't say like support your dreams, but really help you make those tough decisions when you're self doubting, when you're doubting yourself and you're doubting a situation, having the person that can come in and back you up as opposed to having the person that can come in and be like, it's a dumb idea. This is never going to work. You're, you know, you're not thinking this through that can be equally detrimental and just cutting those people out, I think can, can give you an advantage really that is almost as equal to having somebody that can just pull you up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, isn't, that's, that, isn't that interesting? It's so true. And I think a lot of people listening can relate to that. I mean, they're going through the debate of purchasing their first home or any big purchase. Yeah. Maybe they're not passionate about real estate. Maybe they're passionate about cars, travel, yeah. or, you know, learning a language or pursuing a certain degree. And there's always going to be someone that gives you the, the negative every single time. Mm-hmm. You have to ignore that. You have to ignore that and make the decision. Yeah, you have to. Would you say um, kind of, I'm not saying ignore the risk, but almost assume the risk and be like, this is good. And I need to cut out the people that are trying to deter me. Cause a lot of times what I think a lot of people have is family or friends that care about them are trying to protect them almost. But as a result, that protection is deterring you from becoming better. It's, it's deterring you for it's, it's preventing you from taking the necessary leaps, taking the necessary risks, taking the necessary action 
to, to make those decisions and to do those things that you, you ultimately need to do, but they're, they're trying to like protect you instead of kind of giving you the keys and say, go. Exactly. And if they respect you, they'll be honest with you and mm-hmm. they'll give you back and they'll give you some of the potential outcomes, negative and positive, but ultimately they'll let you make the decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. If they don't respect you or if they're trying to control you, they'll transfer the information, communicate to you in a manipulative way, or they'll constantly be negative. And that's what I can't stand. Yeah. So when I'm saying just go for it. I'm not saying like, don't consider what your dad is saying or your friend saying like, yeah, of course, like listen to what they're saying. But ultimately, like if it feels right to you and you're passionate about it, like you've got to go for it. Damn. Yes. That's so true. You have to stay true to yourself, right? It's that same thing. You got You got to stay true to yourself. You fucking start questioning yourself. You start questioning things on your own. Like, I don't know. It, it, it changes. It, it really does. It changes your life. It changes everything you do. I, I agree. What about, uh, cause for me that I think is one of, one of the qualities that I won't settle on anymore in a relationship. That's, that's something that like, Hey, listen, you got to be in my corner on this. Like this, these, these type of things. Like I got crazy ideas sometimes and I need you to be in my corner. I need somebody that's going to be in my corner. Cause, uh, cause I've had relationships before where I would want to do these things and I couldn't because she wouldn't trust me. She wanted to check with her dad or do other things. And like, she wouldn't trust me with, uh, with making these types of decisions. And once that relationship we'll call it a marriage was over, <laughs> then, uh, I, like the floodgates were open. It's like, I was free to do all these things that I was restricted from. And as right. a result, look at, look at, like, look at the leaps and what they've done and, and how much they've paid out. Like what, what does the, the shared mindset play in terms of a relationship? And is that a quality that you think is worth not settling on? Yeah, like you have to find someone that is, you have to find someone that at least shares an understanding for your ambition. Mm. They don't have to be equally ambitious. They don't have to be, whatever that means, but they have to understand your ambitions, ambitions and they have to respect your ambitions. And they have to understand who you are at the core. So mm. really, and they, they should appreciate it. And of course, the flip side is true too. You should appreciate them, respect their ambitions, blah, blah, blah. That's hopefully rhetorical yeah. and understood without saying it. But they really need to understand who you are and what you value and support you. And supporting you doesn't necessarily mean always go along, going along with what you say. It, could also, it just means being honest yeah. and giving honest feedback. Yeah. Not being negative. Negative people, it's, it's so cliche to say, but negative people can ruin anything. Any good thing can be ruining negative people. True. True. Absolutely. That's, that's uh, I don't know. You notice a big difference, especially I think in like the level of happiness that you have in a relationship and kind of like as naturally as it feels. Like if somebody's just, God, if, if they're always negative and always finding a problem and never really finding a solution, because because imagine, right, if if uh, if you and your girlfriend were, were looking for real estate, right, and buying a property, and she's like, yo, check this out. I think this might be good. You could be like, uh, let me see. And you can check it out. There's a difference between being negative about it and being realistic, right, being honest about it. Because if it, if you're just like, no, nah, I don't want to, whatever, 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 you know, you always have a reason or an excuse. And really, it's not that the deal might not be good or whatever. It's It's more of you don't want to invest with her or you're losing interest in her or it's something else. And 
when you have the shared understanding of we're on the same page, we want the same things and we're both supporting each other. I think it makes that relationship even stronger. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you don't want to, maybe you don't want to co-invest in real estate with your partner. That's fine. You just need to be honest about that. Like maybe you want to separate your world. That's cool. That makes sense to me. I don't know if I'd want to be around the dinner table, like talking real estate the way you and I do or talking numbers or talking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't think I'd want that. It's almost a conversation better, like best had over a beer. Like, like you don't want that with your intimate partner. You want that with like, with your buddies. Yeah. I mean, the thing too is like, you gotta, you gotta turn it off. (laughs) Yeah. You know how intense this would be if these conversations were had every single day, like get out of bed, you're making coffee. You're like, bro, I was scrolling through Zillow all night. Check this out. I got these five properties. Like, oh my God, dude, check. And then like, we're, we're sitting there and before you like even get your, like your morning coffee, you're, we're both sitting there just nose deep into some like real estate trying to call realtors and stuff. And then of course they're blocking us cause we can't sleep and we're hitting them up at all hours of the night, which I did last night to one of my realtors, but <laughs> terrible (laughs) it would be while i think it would be fun it would definitely need an off switch absolutely and that's where having a balanced relationship and having somebody that understands you and supports you and i think is natural with you can do that because if they weren't and they didn't feel like they could be open and they didn't feel like they could be honest with you they may just kind of go along and that would be detrimental oh yeah it'd be terrible it's like when i close the laptop at the end of the day my girlfriend knows like all right He's mostly done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not really done, but he's like at least mostly done, hopefully done, but whatever. Sometimes you get phone calls, but I don't really want to talk about real estate anymore that night. Like I'll still like talk to her about like general ideas or projects I have, or like yeah. I want feedback from her. What does she think about this? Cause she's always honest with me. It's like, I want to talk about like stuff she's interested in. Like, I don't want to sit yeah. there and talk about like going back and forth on whether I should invest in a project with my girlfriend. Right like running or hiking or go hang out with the dog or mm-hmm. see a movie or I don't know, go do something different. Yeah. There's a level of um, one thing that I think is super valuable in a relationship is uh, it's called empathetic communication. And it is the ability to put your partner, your partner and your partner's needs in front of your own and not always trying to make yourself the forefront of the project, but I'm not, I guess projects probably not the right word, but the forefront of the objective and, and you're putting them first. You're really trying to like understand them and you're trying to get to know them. Kind of like being able to turn off when work's done. Like, tell me about your day. Like, I want to actually, I kind of like want to know about your day. Tell me about it. Like, help me. And, and you put their feelings and their emotions and, and the things that like they want to do front. And it makes shit, I'd say it makes them feel important. It makes them feel like they're valued. And that's critical in a relationship. Yeah, empathy is empathy is everything. Like, I think... What's so cool about empathy is you can understand and disagree simultaneously. Ooh. Ooh. I think one of the frustrating things for me is to be, to be misunderstood and be pigeonholed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate being pigeonholed. I hate being put in a box. Yeah. You know, cause I may be a certain way. I, I may wear a certain hat in a certain context. Cause that's <laughs> expected of me in that position yeah. role. Or maybe I'm in charge, but I can't stand to be misunderstood. I love, I love when people disagree with me. It's like my yeah. favorite thing, like have a conversation with some coffee 
especially a cold brew, and disagree. But to be misunderstood, that is extremely frustrating. Right. Extremely frustrating. And it's, it's especially true in a relationship. Hmm. That's a good point. That's really cool. Uh, realization too, because it almost plays into, um, having, I'll say equally yoked, but having somebody that understands where you are in your values and what you draw important in a relationship, just even, even you as your, who you are as a person in your personality, but, um, you know, being conservative, you're pigeonholed into what you, what you are, what people have made you out or what the media has said you are. And it's like, what the fuck? Get the hell out of here. I couldn't be further away from that. Just the term Trump supporter drives me insane. Yeah. Because that is a derogatory term used to pigeonhole people. Yeah. A certain set of beliefs typically associated with being racist. Right. And it's not true. It is not true. Now, here you go again. You always have to explain it for like the outliers. (laughs) It's like, yes, are there racists that also support Trump? Right. Yes. Right. I, I take that for granted as being obvious. Yeah. But just because you support Trump, are you racist? No. Right. And that drives me insane. Yeah, because the there's the no reality. Room. There's no room for conversation there. Yeah, and that's the problem because sometimes the people that pigeonhole you or uh, create those assumptions almost uh, do so because they're committed to misunderstanding you. They have they have no intent in understanding where you're coming from. They've, they've created an idea and that's, that's what it is. They're just, that, that's it. You're going to be this thing and there's no change in their mind. And that's difficult, I think. But I mean, yeah, like racism exists everywhere. It doesn't go like, it's not like it's only whites against blacks or blacks against whites or Asians or whatever. Like racism exists no matter what. Most people I would say are good people. However, there are bad people just like there are bad officers in the army. There are bad soldiers in the army. There are bad contractors in construction there are bad you know real estate deals in the real estate market there's also bad in with the good most people are good however there are some bad people and i mean you can find that anywhere like go to alabama sure it's probably racist against black people you go to the inner city of detroit it's probably racist against white people you know like it depends just wherever you go just chicago detroit i mean i was with my dad when i was like 10 years old and we went to a mcdonald's in detroit um because we were leaving a, a hockey game and sure shit, this black guy walked up to him and just chested my dad and like kind of like walked him out of line. I'm standing right next to him, pushed him kind of out of line and gave him, I mean, it was very clear that he was saying, you're white, you're not welcomed here. I'm going to be in front of you in this line. And exactly. my dad, there was nothing we could do. We couldn't fight back. We couldn't do any of that because if we did, it would create a whole thing. Like we were very clearly the only white people in the whole place. So it wasn't good. But like, like when we talk about, racism and like you're a racist because you identify with this like listen this like racism exists i got it i'm not that it you can't tell me i'm that you can't convince me i'm that because i know i'm not whether or not you want to believe me is another thing but like not pigeonholing somebody into saying they are a certain thing because of the color of their skin or because they're a trump supporter or because they vote a certain way like you got to be able to kind of like let that stuff go and just realize if we're really trying to solve the problem we're not trying to label people. Like if you want to get rid of racism, you're not going to go tell all the conservatives they're racist because that's just creating racism. <laughs> it's, it's making it worse. It's yeah. Like, 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 do you want to get rid of Trump supporters? Cause that's what you're doing. 
or do you want to solve the problem of race and the the race issues and stuff? And sometimes we construe the lines. I'm not saying everybody again. I think most people are good, but there are some people out there that construe those lines and and really just hate Trump more than anything. They don't care. Racism is just yeah, a, an excuse they scream. It's, you're exactly right, and it's it's I don't know. To me, it's it's wild. Like I don't I don't understand it. Mm. You know if. I, if I disagree with someone, I really want to know. I really want to know why. I want to understand their perspective. Yeah. I want to try to elicit facts mutually to prove, you know, either of our points or come to a mutual conclusion to solve the problem. I'm not just. I'm. You know what? Like when you're when you're in high school, and you lean a certain way politically due to your parents, or your upbringing, or maybe you have a certain incident that happens to you. Mm-hmm. The goal back then was always to win the argument, right? To fight for your team, fight for your cause, and win the argument. I don't care about winning the argument anymore, but I do care to have mutual empathy and understand where they're coming from and try to solve the problem. It's way more important to solve the problem nowadays than be right. Then I don't care about like <laughs> I don't care. I just maybe I just don't care enough about enough things, but I don't care about being right. In that context, like there's definitely yeah. times I told you so. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean, like, just like when it comes to solving problems that are way bigger than myself, like, I don't care about being right. I care about the problem getting solved. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing I think is true. Um, looking at business and like real estate deals when you're doing stuff with contractors or you're buying a house or whatever, you're like, all right, so I can't do it that way. How can I do it? Like, let's solve the fucking problem. Cause you know, that's all I'm interested in. I don't care if I'm right or if I, the way I did it is the one that we end up with. Just uh, fucking solve, just buy the damn thing. Like, that's all I'm trying to do. Just let me know what loan I need, how much money we need to put down and, and let's just buy it. That's all I'm trying to do. I don't care if it's hard money. I don't care if it's conventional. I don't care if it's six and a half percent interest. I don't care what the fuck, just buy the damn thing. <laughs> so it's, that's one of my pet peeves in general with dealing with. I don't know. I'm not going to go into it, but in, de- in general, dealing with people when you have a certain goal is that they, they nitpick one thing you say and they yeah. harp on that and tease you about it versus just trying to understand like what you're trying to accomplish and helping you. It's, it's so petty. But yeah. It's, it happens all the time. Do you think, do you think there'll be uh do you think we'll get out of it? Like thinking like that, do you think it'll be some sort of like awakening process or what's your, what's your take on kind of the, the long-term solutions? I think, I think, and I'm not even trying to give you a throw here, but I think podcasts are helping with that. I mm. think and the reason I say that, I think podcasts, YouTube um, is giving a revived sense of free speech and a revived opportunity to have a middle ground conversation. Yeah. And if you look at um, outlets outside of, you know, just to use cliche examples, although it seems to be shifting a little bit, cliche examples of like Fox News versus CNN. Yeah. It's very cut by what you're going to get out of those two networks. So the point where it's terrifying, where if you watch one network, you're going to get the same perspective. And if you watch the other network, you're going to get the same type of perspective. And they're typically going to oppose each other. Mm-hmm. It's not factually driven. But I think like YouTube and podcasts and social media has really given an opportunity to actually have conversations again. I think a good example of that would be like Joe Rogan. Yeah. It's a great example. Where That's he has on whatever he wants to have on. Yeah. To the point where he gets criticized for it, but at least he invites them on and he has a conversation. It's, yeah. it's in the middle, which I really appreciate. 
Yeah, he he is a very because he used to be identified as as leaning left, and I would say while he may be left of center, he is such an I don't know if intelligence is the right word because I'm not going to say people on the left aren't intelligent, uh, but he's very he's very open minded, which I would say arguably most people are not, and he's he's like you said, he, he wants to find out and he's like, yo, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm curious about this. Like, this is what I'm being told. Is, is this true? Like, what is your experience as the person involved directly? I mean, he talked like Edward Snowden brings on Edward Snowden. He's like, tell me about the things that I'm not hearing about. Like, what are these things that are going on and help me understand? Because I know there's probably more to this story. Whereas I think some people just dismiss that whole concept and idea that there's more to the story than they're hearing altogether. And I, I think that's where you make a really good point is that podcasts and these types of interviews and stuff are really opening the door to that because they're allowing that freedom of getting around kind of the, the blatant censorship that those news networks are going to have. No, exactly. And when I was a kid, I was a little bit more right leaning rhino, you know, world police type thinking person where, Back then, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Snowden, bad enemy. Yeah. But nowadays, it's like, I don't know what this guy has to say. <laughs> I want to hear Snowden's perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would love to, I would love for Joe Rogan to have, like, Bernie Sanders on. I don't know if he's had previously yeah. or not, but it's just an example. Generally, a position I don't necessarily agree with, but I would love to actually sit down and listen to Joe Rogan talk to Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Or someone who's extreme on the left, which I don't really like extremes on either side, but someone who I typically dismiss, I would love for him to be on a YouTube channel or a podcast and sit there and just listen to him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wild? He, uh, when he talked about hosting one of the presidential debates, I was like, wow, that would be, that would be an awesome idea. Like that'd be fantastic. Joe Rogan hosting the debate. Cause he's, he's a very sense, sensible, down to earth, realistic, type of person that would be able to be like, okay, that makes sense. All right. And, and he's neutral in the way he delivers. I think most of the questioning, like it's a genuine concern for, or curiosity, I should say genuine curiosity for the information, not so much uh, wording it in a way that gives a portrayal of, of what he's trying to get across. Like, uh, like, Do you think it was racist decision to, to throw it in there? Well, you're assuming right now by asking the question that way that it was racist. Like, no, I made the, the decision based on merit or, you know, just as an example, but people do that all the time. And I think he's super neutral in the way that he delivers his curiosity. I think it'd be really cool. Really, really cool. And that's, that's the power, right? That's the importance of having these types of conversations and these types of interviews is you need to be able to remain neutrally curious about, finding the reality on things and be okay with being wrong. You may not know the whole picture. You may be wrong when you understand all of the information on the table and you have to be okay with that. And I don't think a lot of people are. Yeah. And I think that's the arrogance of the mainstream media. You know, they laughed at him. They laughed at Joe Rogan when he brought up the idea of him hosting a presidential debate. I don't think they realize how powerful he is or maybe they do. And they're trying to dilute that. I'm not sure. But I took the idea completely seriously. I was like, I would love to have, I'd actually prefer Joe Rogan Yeah. over some exactly. of the uh, professional debate books that I witnessed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't even want to get started about the fact that we only had two debates because of COVID. <laughs> there should have been at least three, but that's whatever. But yeah. 
that's my point. I would love to have Joe Rogan do yeah. a presidential debate. Why not? And how many followers does he have, Josh? You must have an idea. Oh, like yeah. Four millions or? Yeah, yeah. At least I think it's more like eight. I don't know what it is. Yeah, a lot. I think he's at eight. But yeah, I mean, it is because sure. He, so how, do you, he, how do you mock those followers? How do you mock that? How right. do you? Well, and here's an important thing too to remember. While we may see these people as small, like independent third party type reporting and, and we'll call it news. Um, but while they may, we may call them like small and third party, these people. So Steven Crowder, I don't know if you know who he is. But uh, he's yeah. got a show, Louder with Crowder, and he followed, you know, the uh, the election. And on election night, he had three times the amount of viewers than CNN did. Right. Three times the viewers, and he's sitting there. He's like, it's funny because he was he was analyzing this the the next day, and he's like, hey, like I would have been cool with like you know, getting close or maybe just barely beating them or something, but we didn't need to do three times. Like now there's a target on my back, you know, like I'm going to get censored and shut down and like all this stuff. He's like, ah, we, we would have been happy with like 400 people. Like that would have been real cool. But 400,000, he's like, yeah. oh man. He's like, boy, we really, we, we went over what we were supposed to. And that's what it's interesting because when you start seeing these small news channels have better ratings to the point where they're having three times the ratings of what these other stations are. These other, what we call mainstream media sources yeah. kind of lend some relevance to guess what? There's probably a few people that aren't listening to what they're saying. Right. A lot more than we think. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. That's why I love, I love Joe Rogan. I love Steven Crowder because you, you need, you like I, I started watching. Um, I don't know his handle perfectly. I think it's like Tim Cast IRL. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Tim IRL, something like that. I don't know. He was a former uh, former liberal, who's now I don't know what his political affiliation is now. Okay. But it doesn't matter because he's so open minded. He's so yeah. open minded. I love listening to him in his interviews because he's so open minded and he's just trying to drive to the facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a um, uh, I forget what his first name is, but Ruben, um, Marco Ruben or something. Uh, but the Ruben Report, and he he used to be a hard left leaning guy, and and now he's got a show called the Ruben Report, and um, it's it's much less about that, and it's more about finding out the truth. And it's kind of interesting because the more truth you find out, the more he's like, I don't identify with that side anymore. I've I, like I I learn how much censorship and how much stuff is hidden. And, and laid undercover that it's like, I, I just, it's not where I sit anymore. And you almost have to be, like you said, the very start of the show was red pill. You have to kind of take the red pill for yourself and take that hard decision to understand, like, I'm okay being wrong. Let's find out the truth. And when you get that, your world kind of changes. And the same is true with relationships and divorces and finding out you're getting cheated on and everything else, right? You have to be at some point, you gotta be willing to swallow. I think that red pill and an understand it's going to hurt a little bit, uh, but you're going to be a lot happier. I think you're going to be a lot happier in the end when you do that. Yeah, and in terms of the political context, that red pill goes either way. That's not just left. It's not just going from left to center. That could also be yes. going right, you know, at least what it used to mean to be a Republican, to becoming a Trump supporter or coming right to center as well. It's not just left to center. 
yeah. I think all of it is just being open-minded and trying to drive to facts. Yeah. Yeah. Just identifying what's, what's your truth here. What are you, what are you really trying to get at? Trying to solve the problem? Are you trying to live in your little bro- bubble of world? That is what you see of it right now. You don't want that to change. Where are yes. we trying to be? A lot of that happens. I think too, just with when you talk about relationships and you talk about like empathetic communication, um, just are you, are you willing to really solve the problem? If your girl is upset and pissed off, are you trying to tell her she's wrong or are you going to go up to her, give her a hug, give her a kiss, give her love and help her know that, Hey, I'm with you no matter what. Like I, I love you. And I don't like, I don't care that, you know, I'm right or that you're wrong and I'm past this because ultimately I want to be happy with you and not be right in every situation. Like, it's okay. We should be able to understand this together. Yeah. It's, it's what you're talking about is basically the opposite of the extreme portrayal of the toxic masculine man that you see in Hollywood and films. Yeah. Opposite of that, which is just be human, be caring, be loving, be confident, but take care of your woman. Yeah. Cause that should be your priority. Yeah. Of course. Of course. It's not for everybody, but those people I don't think are, are always happy. I don't think they are. I, I think if you're trying to win one on your partner every time and you can't be on the same team, then you're both probably getting eaten up and it's going to break down at some point. And I think, uh, I think that that's the reason sometimes the divorce rate and the breakup rate and all that kind of stuff is so high is because we have to, like, we have this, we can't be wrong mentality going into things and that trickles not only into relationships, but into politic politics and everything else too. But like, fuck man, get over yourself, get over your damn ego and understand it's okay to be wrong. Like learn more information, educate yourself and then understand you can change your opinion given more information. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because when I was talking about that one relationship in Saratoga that lasted five years, mm-hmm. all of my competition and battles and arguments were internal. They were inside that apartment, eventually, in that world, that relationship. But now with the relationship I'm in, all the battles and the fighting is external. Mm. It's relevant to the goals I'm trying to accomplish. It's relevant to some of the struggles of balancing what I have to balance right now. Day and day. You know, it's not with my partner. It's a huge change. Yeah. Before. Huge changes changes everything doesn't it makes you guys i mean you probably feel this relationship i can tell is drastically different than the one that you had when you were in that five-year relationship oh it's huge i mean was it ex- exciting at times yeah sure but the downs i mean the ups and downs of it the downs as bad as the us in terms of being extreme and you know it's like you know, you can't go through those sleepless nights day after day. Like you can't yeah. be going through these crazy fights week after week when we're trying to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. It just, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like I've almost become a little bit apathetic now. It's like, it's <laughs> just, just too much going on, man. Like I'm not looking to have these battles with people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's bigger, there's bigger problems in the world that need solving than, than dealing with your self-esteem issues. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but all right well hey let's uh i want to wrap this up this has been a nice uh long conversation i think we're about at our hour and a half mark might be a little bit over actually but dude thank you so much for coming on the show i uh i'm pretty pumped 
selfishly, selfishly excited for, uh, for your, your reign in New York to end. And hopefully you, uh, you travel back out West to get you a nice big truck again. And, uh, we'll go hit the slopes or hit this, hit the mountains, do some hiking or whatever, buy some, uh, getting into the multifamily deal will be exciting. But regardless, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in guys. If you want, John, is there any way they can find you if they want to find you on social, hit you up with any questions or reach out to you in any way? Yeah, if they want to reach out to me, um, uh, New York C underscore pixel, my Instagram. Or you can also hit me up on uh, email. Just reach out to Josh privately if you want to talk. Or like I said earlier, I wasn't being sarcastic. You know, if there's if you are doing way ahead of myself or Josh and you have stuff you can teach me, please, please reach out to me. Because I always appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Helping everybody grow. John's got a lot of experience, especially in the uh, the real estate market, um, taking a leap and, and really just learning what it's like. We're a great person to have in your corner. And especially if you need somebody to kind of mentor and motivate you to keep pushing and to keep doing better and to not get stuck. Probably one of the most optimistic people that I know in terms of facing a wall and knowing how to get around it. Like always a positive example on everything. So um, definitely reach out to John, hit him up, New York City. Uh, what was it? New York C. I'll get it to you after. There you go. Okay. I'll put it in the description. Check the description of the podcast. Um, I'll, I'll throw it down in there for you guys. And then like always, make sure you guys like subscribe, share, check us out on Apple podcast, uh, as well as Spotify. Make sure you guys leave a rating, leave a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, send me a DM at uh, fulfillment underscore podcast on Instagram. You guys can always hit me up with any feedback you have there as well. And then other than that, We'll see you guys in the next one. See ya.